You're listening to Sunday Sermons from Christ Pacific Church, located in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. Hi, my name is Peter. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. This Advent season, we're conspiring together to make Christmas meaningful again. Today, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, and ask the question, what would Christmas look like if we spent less money? Good morning. I'll be reading Matthew 6, 19 through 24. So if you want to look at your Bibles or your phone um, or up at the screen here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Good morning. My name is Dean Bobar, and I'm the adult life minister here. I've been gone for a couple Sundays, so it's good to be back. Man, it's beautiful in here, isn't it? It brings me great joy, and it focuses us on Jesus, and uh, hopefully we continue to do that this morning. This morning, I'm going to tell you one story from two different angles, once at the beginning of the message and then again at the end of the message. So here goes the first telling. So... It's about a conspiracy that was made against me about 20 years ago. It involved 125 people and two dozen people who were in on it for several weeks, tricking me and setting up an alternate plan to completely take me off the scent of what was really happening. And this conspiracy was pulled off by my mom. What do you think I'm talking about? It's a surprise birthday party. It's my surprise 21st birthday party. And I initially didn't want a birthday party. So my mom said, well, I'll just do a surprise and go big. I was like, you don't want anything? I'll just go really big. That's what my mom did. It ended up being great. Um, But then I came back to her a couple weeks later and said, actually, I do want a party. But she had already sent out all, all these invitations. So she had a couple dozen people invited to this fake thing. And that was going to be at Olive Garden, a small thing. And... And unfortunately, one person actually went there. Um, they, they, missed a, <laughs> they missed the thing, and then they came late to the party. So that's, that's the first telling of the story. So conspiracy, when you usually hear, hear that word, does it have a positive or a negative connotation? Negative, negative right? So from dictionary.com, there's a couple di- different definitions. One is it's a combination of persons for a secret, unlawful, or evil purpose, Right? Ooh, bad, not good. But it can also be any concurrence in action, combination in bringing about a given result. And that birthday party and Advent conspiracy is along the second definition. Together we're conspiring to make Christmas meaningful again. And the message is all over the place. It's literally been written on the walls. We're focusing on how we can worship fully this Christmas how we can spend less, 
how we can give more and how we can love all. And it's not as if we're saying, church, you haven't been doing this, but how can we do this more fully? How can we conspire to lean even more deeply into this conspiracy? And last week, Pastor Peter spoke about worshiping fully, about responding immediately with all that we've got to worship this Jesus who came to save us, this Jesus who was born and who grew up to die on the cross for our sins, to bear those sins, bear that punishment, and rise again for a new life, who came to bring the reign of God to the earth, which is here now. We respond immediately and fully with all of our lives, not just singing on Sunday mornings or going to an event on Sunday evening, but all of our lives. So that was last week. This week, we're talking about perhaps the more difficult point, spend less. I think this is probably the most difficult message in, all, in the whole book, so thank you, Peter. Um, I'm totally kidding. I'm cool. Now, this message is pertinent for any time of the year. But it is, it's especially necessary, I think, for Christmas. Because this isn't just about what we spend for Christmas. It's about the story our money tells. It's about the story our money tells about us. This Jesus grows up and he becomes, before he dies on the cross, he becomes a wise teacher, a healer, a preacher amongst God's people, Israel, before the cross. And he teaches them many things. One of his topics over and over again was about money. So we're going to listen to our wise teacher. He continues to teach us through the Gospels and by God's Spirit about how to relate to money. We're going to listen into Jesus' teaching for us in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And we're going to see the story that our money tells about three areas of us. And it's really talking about the same thing from three different angles. About our, our hearts, our eyes, and our hands. Now, Heart, eyes are in their hands is what I'm talking about for serving. It's an image for serving. Most of our time will be spent with the heart because the heart is not so easily changed. So let's start with the money that, let's start with the story that money tells about our hearts. And the language, the life of the heart, I think is foreign to us in our culture. So we need to spend some time reminding ourselves about what the heart is all about. The heart is the center of your being, the place from which you live out how you desire, will, and choose. Even the scriptures even talk about the heart reasoning. So that's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the heart, about laying up treasures in heaven and where your heart is. And we'll get more into that in a minute. So where's your heart this Christmas season? Where's the center of your being? Where is it going towards? What's it drawn towards? Well, let's listen to Jesus, our teacher, about our hearts. I'm going to reread verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many of you have ever had something stolen, like something really significant from you? Okay. When... Eight years ago, when my father died and my brother and I went to Romania to go take care of some business affairs, and we came back, and our car, the car that I had bought before we got married was in front of our house for a week. And we came back, and we were going to celebrate. It was a great trip. We went out to dinner. We came back. And I said to Sarah, I said, hey, babe, where's, where's our car? 
Did I leave it at the church while, while I was gone? Is that what I did? I don't know. I don't remember. So I go to the church. No, it's not there. I come back, look around. Lo and behold, our car was stolen. And this is one of the first times that it really became clear to me just how temporary earthly treasures are. It's moments like that which open up our eyes to go, oh, cars don't last. But what does last? So Jesus has a very sharp contrast here. What's the contrast? Heaven and earth, okay. And what, where's, what's, what's being stored up in heaven and earth? Treasures. There's either treasures in heaven or treasures on earth. Now, it seems right away like Jesus could be speaking directly against Christmas. Like, is this what Jesus is talking about? When we put all those gifts under the tree, is he saying, you're storing up treasures on earth? So we shouldn't be giving any gifts? Well, it's not quite that simple. And this week's chapter really gets at the heart of the matter in a lot of ways. The authors talk about asking ourselves some honest questions about our culture, about our gift giving, about the impact of our buying and our giving. And the crucial question I think we have to wrestle with is, how do we do Christmas differently with Jesus as my king? The one who's the king of the world, who's at work in the world. How do I do Christmas differently as my king? You can ask that question for any area of life. But for Christmas, since we're talking about Advent conspiracy, how do we do Christmas differently? So some of the questions we can ask are, when I buy that gift, it might be the cheapest gift, but what's the social impact? Does that company exploit foreign workers where they don't get a living wage? Am I leaning into a certain cultural value by by buying this present for my kid. These are all the kinds of questions we can ask. And there's this great quote that summarizes a lot of what this is about. And I'm going to have the first part of it up here and I'll read the rest. The challenge is to balance our desires with the needs in our communities and the rest of the world. The challenge is to balance our desires. It's okay to have desires for things, but with the needs in our communities and the rest of the world. This means that shopping will become less about entertainment and more about necessities. It means that researching purchases may become more complicated than simply seeking the greatest of values or the highest visibility. So it's not simply about, well, I want to get the best new thing or what's the best value, but can I be more reflective about what I'm purchasing and how I'm purchasing and the impact that that might have? Peter has a great reflection. I don't know if you've been... Uh, tracking this, but he has a great reflection in the first part of the bulletin there, and it fit right in with my message. I was going to write something up, and I saw the bulletin. I went, well, that's good. Um, Why am I going to write more up? That's good right there. Part of this is from Advent Conspiracy, and the rest is from Peter. But it says, under the reflection part, slow down. It's so hard to slow down in Christmas, isn't it? It's just go, go, go. Before you start buying and ordering gifts online, think about each person on your Christmas list. Think about your relationship and what significance it brings to your life. Are you thoughtfully spending or are you mindlessly rushing through the process? So the story that our money tells about our hearts is related to our treasures. This is why Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we usually turn this saying around in how we unpack this. We usually say, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Like, my heart's there, so that's what I'm going to treasure. As if our heart 
as if our actions reveal our heart. And that's true. Jesus actually talks about that kind of dynamic in other, in other places in the Gospels. But here Jesus is saying something else. He's saying, no, your heart will also follow your actions. Your heart will follow your actions. Those things you choose to invest in, spend money in, your heart will begin to follow that you will begin to have your heart shaped and changed by those actions. Does that make sense? So it's not like, well, my, my heart's here, therefore my treasures are going to go there. It's no, how I direct my treasures, that's where my heart will follow. They're in the same place. This is really cool. I was thinking about this, that you and I have actually have a chance this Christmas to shape our heart and the heart of those that we influence through our gift giving. Like we can actually impact people and we can shape our hearts. I'm thinking particularly if you have kids in your life, nieces, nephews, grandkids, the way you gift give can shape people. It can shape their hearts. It can shape your heart. It can impact how people view the world. It might just be small little ways, but that's the kind of power that our giving can have in people's lives. So what exactly makes something a treasure in heaven versus a treasure on earth? Because you could have the same scene and there can be treasures, you can, treasures on earth and there might also be treasures in heaven or it might just be treasures on earth. So how do you do that? How do you know the difference? Well, Jesus gives us part of the answer. He says, treasures on earth don't last, but treasures in heaven do. So I need your guys' help. We need one another's help to figure this out. And so I'm going to invite you guys to break up into groups of about three to five or so around you for a few minutes. And I want you guys to help me figure this out. Identify some ways that your, your Christmas season, how you can store up treasures in heaven this Christmas. Identify some ways that you can store up treasures in heaven, things that, that honor God, things that are valuable in God's kingdom. Okay, so I want you to, does that make sense? Okay, what does it look like to have treasures in heaven during Christmas? Not just treasures on earth, but how can we store up treasures in heaven? The things that really last, the things that are truly valuable in God's sight. All right, so break up into groups about three to five around you, and then I'll call us uh, back together. And uh, I mean, you'll be invited to share your response. Back together up front. Heard some... Good discussions, good things. Hey, can I get like maybe three or four people to share just one thing from your group? Can I get a few people who, are, who just want to share like we were really stoked on this idea or we all really agree this is like something that maybe people need to know about? Does, does any group want to share something? Feel brave? You don't have to. What's that? Singing at the memory facility. Okay, so going to the, the needy among us and making sure that they can take part in the, in the celebration. Awesome, I love it. Yeah. Anyone else? Maybe one or two people? Debbie?
Oh, very cool. Thank you for sharing. I heard lots of really good ideas. And oh, go ahead, Lucia. Our Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Those are all treasures in heaven. The the reason why I wanted you guys to share with one another is to share ideas. And let's have more of these kinds of conversations as Christmas still goes on. Let's share with one another and say, like, what are you doing to store up treasures in heaven? What what does it look like? How are you celebrating Jesus in a way that that honors him? Because those are all really cool ideas. And there's probably a thousand really good ways to do that. I think one of the key things is loving others especially the needy for God's glory, loving others, especially the needy among us, the poor among us is one of the, one of the key ways that we can store up treasures in heaven this Christmas. So our money tells a certain story about our hearts, which in turn is expressed in our eyes, in our hands. Remember I said, we're just talking about the same thing from three different angles. Let's take a look at verses 22 and 23 in Matthew six. Jesus goes on, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Okay, let's be honest here. How many of you read this, these verses and go, huh? Like every time I read this passage, I'm like, okay, Jesus, what is this about again? And it's finally kind of clicking a little little bit more this time around going through this passage. So in, in modern, according to modern science, how do we talk about light and how the eyes work? What happens? It reflects or light comes, it comes in and enables us to see, right? It's an out, outward, inward thing. But according to ancient physiology, their understanding, you actually had light within you and the light came out of your eyes and that's what enabled you to see. So that's why Jesus says the eye is the lamp of your body. You, you see that now? Okay, so he goes on to say, if, so if your whole, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light because healthy eyes are ones that have lots of light coming out of them. But if they don't, that means you don't have light within you. You have darkness within you. That's why your eyes aren't working. You seeing how, how it works? So it's a metaphorical uh, kind of thing. So, but what exactly is it talking about? Jesus doesn't actually flesh this out. Well, It seems that Jesus might have had a proverb in mind. Proverbs 22, verse 9. Whoever has a bountiful or good or pleasant eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Whoever has a bountiful or good eye or pleasant eye, those are all different translations, will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. He's got good eyes. He's got a good view in life, so he knows that he can share his bread with the poor. You see... Jesus' message here is that those who are generous will be illumined, but those who are envious and stingy will live in darkness. They will be darkened. The condition of your heart will either enlighten your view on life or darken it. The condition of your heart either brings light to your view on the world, you're actually in tune with truth and reality, or it brings darkness, and you're not really in tune with what's really going on. So think of the darkness that blinds a miser. He's always holding on to everything he's got. He thinks everyone's out to get him and get his stuff. Think of the Grinch, right? 
uh, I'm not going to go to that community. I'm just going to be on my own. Uh, stay away from my stuff. Uh, that's, that's, a mindset. that's like an extreme, extreme version of that. Now consider the light that guides the generous within God's kingdom. She holds loosely what to, to what she has and is willing to give it away. Because she trusts God and knows that God will provide. Think more George Bailey and it's a, it's a wonderful life. Now, George Bailey wasn't quite perfect, but you, you, get, you get the contrast here. Grinch versus George Bailey. The one who is generous it has treasures in heaven and may be rich or poor in terms of treasures on earth, but doesn't care. They don't find their comfort and security and happiness in those things. You see, neither poverty nor riches is the goal here. This is not about tearing down capitalism and lifting up socialism, as some might, might hear it. This is not about any social system and holding it up, but it's about the condition of our heart. Are we trusting God? Are we following Jesus? Are we loving others as God's spirit empowers us to do that? That's what treasures in heaven look like. And it comes from having good, healthy eyes. And it's a sign of our heart being in the right place. So that's the story that the that money tells about our heart, about our eyes, but there's also another story, the story about our hands. And that's in verse 24. Our hands reveal to us, also reveal to us the condition of our heart. And again, there's another very sharp contrast, maybe the sharpest. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he gets right to the point here. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. You either serve God or you serve money. There's no middle ground here. There's no like, well, I'll give part of my devotion to money and maybe 10%. And Jesus gets the 90%. No, no, no. Jesus says, if you're even going over there, then you've already given yourself over to money you're, or you're heading down that track. As Peter talked about last week, we are created for worship. We are created to serve, to worship. God created us to serve a master hopefully him. And if we don't offer up ourselves to God as a servant, then another master will easily come right into place. The human heart will find another master if it is not God. Jesus' message in here is that money is to be a servant, not a master. Money is to be a servant in God's kingdom, not a master. If getting and buying are the main focal points of the season, then we need to Check our hearts before God. This Christmas season, what's driving your buying and celebrating? Is it more about getting what you want or giving others what they need? Is it more about having fun and feeling good or about honoring Jesus and connecting with others in the joy that comes from honoring Jesus? And you might feel good. You might have fun. But what's what's your focus? So remember how I said I'll, I had that story at the beginning and I was going to tell it again? Well, here's the second telling of the story. So at this surprise 21st birthday party, there were 125 people who came. At that time, I was working at the church as a gardener doing volunteer ministry, and so I was known by a, a lot of people and a lot of, I was well-connected with a lot of families, and I was just like overwhelmed. It was this big building called Big Ed. It was this long building, and it was just all these people. I may be connected with like 25 people, and I got to the end, and then suddenly everyone was leaving. Because it was an hour and a half party. I was like, oh, wait, 
I missed like a whole side of the room. Like I, I was just connecting with just these certain people and I missed all that was happening there. Now, granted, you can't have meaningful conversations with 125 people, but I could have at least said hi to them or thank you for coming. And so I learned a lesson at that party. And earlier this year, when you all threw a 20th surprise party for me for being here, one of the very first things I did, I went, I need to go say hi to everyone and thank them. So that was one of the very first thing I, I did. I was like, I'm not going to miss out again. I'm not going to get to the end of this and go, darn it, I missed out on saying to, I had like 50 people. No, I went, no, I'm going to do it differently this time. And Christmas has come again this year, and you have a chance to do it differently. This isn't about critiquing the past and how we've done, but Lord, how can we live more into the joy of this season, the focus that Jesus has come, the good news that begins with Jesus' birth, that this Jesus is our king, that he has come to save us, and he's come to change the world, and that involves this season as well. Will you conspire with me to make Christmas meaningful again by spending less? I don't know what that looks like for you, but I believe that if you talk to God about it, if you talk as a family, if you search the scriptures, God will speak to you about that. And this isn't about money. This is about the love of money versus the love of God. And what's got our heart? Let us love God and others more fully. And I don't want to get too far ahead because that's Peter's message in a couple of weeks. But they all kind of build on one another. So again, I want us to close in a time of prayer and to ask God to speak to you how you can make more of Christmas about serving him. How can you make more of Christmas about serving him? Maybe it came from something we read. Maybe it came from part of the discussion or maybe something's prompted that, Lord, there's this area that I want to make more about you, more about serving you. Not get rid of the fun, but, Lord, how can I have the joy and honor that you are due that comes from following you? Does that make sense? You guys clear on that? Yeah? Okay. So let me close that, that time and I'll begin and end it. Let, let's pray. Living Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come to be our Savior and our King. And you are at work in the world now. Lord, this involves doing everything differently including this season. Lord, speak to us how we can make more of this Christmas season in concrete, specific ways about serving you. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. King Jesus, we thank you that you came. We don't fully understand the mystery of all all that you are and all that you've done. Lord, we trust in you. We celebrate you this morning, this day, this season. Take hold of our hearts and change us. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Christ Pacific Church, visit our website at www.cpchv.org. To join us in our Advent readings, follow us on social media at Christ Pacific Church. Click on our Stories icon.